Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Good morning. I'm here to talk to you today about where the church is going. I believe it's so powerful um, what God's doing right now. And um, I just want to encourage everybody to connect with this. Uh, don't, don't just think, hey, hey, that's an interesting word. I want you to hear it. You see, there's one thing about me about me preaching. You know, I, I want to connect with God and preach, but I want you to connect with God and hear. You have to make the effort to hear. You have to make the effort to pay attention and to to grab hold and think through the words and apply them to your life. Right. So that's what I want to encourage you today to do and, and to think about your life. Think about where you're going. And I pray I pray that this word would become real to you. I pray it would help you pop out of where you've been and go into a new place. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about naturally. I believe this is a time of natural transition for a lot of people. I think there's going to be crazy things that could happen in the earth. But let me just say more than anything, this is a spiritual transition. This is a time when God is taking his people from one place of experience, one place of union to a new, deeper level, a, a greater connection, a greater walking things out, a greater experiencing of heaven on earth, as we were singing earlier, and the resources of heaven in our lives in every way. You see, once God begins to be more and more real to you, this earth begins to be less and less bright, less and less um, glamorous, and you begin to focus on and see the things of God more and more. And that's so important that God be exalted in our hearts, that he be magnified bigger and bigger, that we see him and that he is our focus. And we are so wrapped up in him rather than being wrapped up in this life. Anyway, I've mentioned a few things. I'll just put, put those in a nutshell to catch us all up to where we are today. But um, God is turning everything in the church. There's a huge change coming. And I believe that after that change, there's going to be an outpouring. But I likened that last week to this to a big ship changing course. Um, it has to turn and it uses that power. There's energy involved. There's power. But what that power is doing right now is turning, turning, turning. We feel the power. But one of the great things God's doing is turning. He's acknowledging what he's doing as we were worshiping this morning and just doing some new things. I just I felt God's presence here today and I'm going, wow, I believe God's acknowledging I'm in that. I'm in that. I'm, I'm a part of that. And I love that. I love that experience. But what God's what's going to happen is the church world is going to end up in a new place. And I believe as we end up in a new place, there's going to be an amazing outpouring, just like with that ship. When it gets turned in the right direction, then you can give it full steam ahead. And I believe that's what's going to happen with the Holy Spirit. As we are, the Holy Spirit's here now. We experiencing him. He is blessing our turns. But I believe even as we are facing what he wants us to do, there's going to be an amazing outpouring like none of us who are alive have ever seen before. I believe that. I believe that that change is going to be in, in this substance, which means in our hearts and our experience that we have in the church. And by the way, people go, well, the church meeting, that's only a small part. But the church meeting is a super big part 
because that influences the way you think the rest of the week. The attitudes that are embraced in church, the, the values that are embraced in church, you're carrying that with you, you're planting that in you, and that's part of your, your experience for life, particularly for the week to come, right? So what happens in church is important, in our congregation, in our families. That's so important because that does do something on the inside of us. It, it, it makes us, you know, what we need to be. There's a structure, I believe, changing in the church. I don't want to get bogged down in this too much, and I almost am. But anyway, the second thing, you know, God's, God's calling us to a new place in life. We're going to have to let go of where we are to go to where we're going. And that can be scary. Just think of the guy on the trapeze, right? It's swinging like this. It's really high up in the air. And he has to let go just at the right time. And he's got to trust that that other person is going to catch him and that he's going to be where he needs to be after he lets go. There's that, there's that element of what illustrates faith in our life where we have to be willing to let go without the absolute surety or the, the, without having been caught yet. We have to let go trusting that we're going to get caught at the right time, that if we let go at the right time, if we stretch forward toward the new at the right time, we're going to be exactly where we need to be. And that's exactly what's going to happen. I have had so many words come to me. I was writing these down the other day. How many times? And I bet it's been like five times through prophetic ministers. I've been told like, um, you have to let go of the old and go into the new. The old's not going to work anymore. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I've, I think it was five times that I could remember without even trying to stretch my mind where prophetic ministers, prophets and prophetesses have told me that word. And I've, and I've thought, okay, but I don't know how to do that. I can't apply that word. How do I let go? What do I, you know, but now it's like, wow, this, that word all makes sense now. If there's, if there, you know, if there's not a, if this isn't a time to let go, I mean, when will there be, right? And I believe this is a time to let go, amen? To let go of the past, to let go of what's been, to go to where we're going. And I want to encourage every one of us here and every one of us online, God's bringing us, am I getting into trouble hour moving forward here? No, I'm all right. I'm going to get right in your face like that. I just want to encourage you because there is such a great thing happening right now, and you're going to have to be, a, to, to be willing to be a part of it. You're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to not just say, oh, I'm going to watch the change happen. No, you need to be a part of the change happening. You need to press in. This is for you right now. You see, are you going to be a part, or are you going to sit back on, on your rear end, you know, and just, hey, let me just see. that If that's the way you've always lived, you need to shake yourself and decide you're going to do something about your Christianity, about your faith, about your walk with God, and you're going to be the, the part that God wants you to be in the body of Christ. And you're going to fulfill your role. And you're not going to just walk around aimlessly, but you're going to connect to God. You're going to be purpose-led. You're not going to be money-led, opportunity-led, you know, get more things-led. You're going to be so filled with God's purpose and God's mind. You're going to rejoice every day. You've got to make a decision. 
that you're going to live in victory, that you're going to live an overcoming life, and that you're going to pop out of that old way that you've been stuck in, maybe some of you, for a long time. Maybe you've been in church a long time, and everything's been the same for a long time. And God's saying, I so want to pop you out of that into a real, live experience with me, into an adventure of walking this thing out. Yes, sometimes it's painful, but you learn to trust in me. That's the whole point of this faith. Amen? Man, this faith, it gives us comfort with God, but it brings us forward from where we have been and where we are into someplace new. Now, if you don't want that and you're happy where you are, you can stay there, right? But I can just tell you, if God's been there a little bit, He's not going to be there much longer because God is moving on. You're going to have to move on to be with Him. I've been, uh, we've been looking at how this, what might be happening in the church. And one thing that I believe that God's doing in the church is he's, he's involving everybody now. You know, part of the church model has been, oh, we're going to come. There's going to be a preaching and there's going to be, um, you know, a great music today. And then we go home. Oh, we had a great service today. Oh, great. Did you watch or participate? You, you know, um, so, so that's, that's been the mindset. You know, we, we think church is some place to, to go get something. And that's good because it is. And we think church is a place that, you know, there's, um, you know, I, I can go and, and sing. And that's good. And at least there's participation in that. But God wants us to be mobilized. He wants us to be trained. And training, as we're going to see, is not just in your brain. It's not just in a classroom Training is you getting out and starting to do things, learning as you go, seeing things happen. Most people that just get trained in the classroom never do anything with what they have learned. Did you train out there? I know we have some salespeople in here today. You ever just train somebody in the classroom? That's good. But when do they get the real training? Isn't it when they get out there and they start doing it? They might go, oh, I thought this was easy. But then they'll go knock on the door and they might freeze up, right? They got it up here, but they haven't walked it out, right? It's the same way in God. All this stuff, we can have all the concepts about it, all the theories about it. Somebody can tell you how to shoot a basketball. And you can go, oh, man, that's so easy. All you do is you do it like that. That's the right form. And then you go out there, and you can, you can do it, and, and like you can miss it by 10 feet, right? Because you've, you've not done it before. You, you've, you've got to catch the rhythm of it. So being trained in God is the same way. And we're all supposed to be trained. We're all supposed to be trained to do what? To do ministry. Listen to this verse. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this. God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now that's five different categories of people. And I don't know that we can clump everybody as just one or the other that are, that are in the the leadership ministry, but they're, they're great examples and, uh, of what we can be. And here it just says this, that these people are there for the equipping of the saints. Now, if you come from certain religious backgrounds, you think, oh, the saints, that's the dead people, right? Right? But when, the body, when it says saints, it means holy ones. And he's talking about those that have come to Christ, those that are in the body of Christ. He says, it says, these people, the ministers, preachers, and more than just preachers, people that will help train you, which is what we're into right now, 
are for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Think about that right there. So what, what Paul is saying is, if you are a believer, you need to be trained, equipped. And equipped for what? Some people think it's only knowing the Word of God. Uh, you know what? By the way, we don't know the Word of God like we think we do too. If you just come to church on Sunday and that's all you get, you get a little bit of the Word of God. But I'm telling you, the Word of God, I mean, there's so much in here. We, we need to develop some kind of system where we're all always growing all throughout the week. I don't know how this is going to happen, but I just believe God wants the Word of God in our homes, in our mouth, in our thoughts. I mean, it brings so much life to us. And He wants to get the Word of God back in us. There's no way we can do that in one or, one or two hours on Sunday mornings or even three or four hours during the week. I mean, I mean, it's just an amazing, wonderful thing to get into the Word, but the Word needs to get into us, right? So anyway, you get, you get, out of, um, you get trained, and it's more than just the Word, as I was saying earlier. You've got to be trained to do things. To do what? It says to do the work of the ministry. You are supposed to be trained to do the work of the ministry. Now let me ask you, do you think, who does the ministry? See, we always say, are you in ministry? Are you in the ministry? Well, really, every one of us who's a believer should say, yes, I'm a believer. I, I signed up to be in the ministry because I'm a believer. And he says, every one of us is supposed to do the ministry. Maybe you don't know what you're supposed to do yet, but you, the first step is to recognize you're called to ministry. You're called to do something. Now, I want us to look at a few scriptures here. It says in 1 Peter 4.10, God has given you... Each, God has given you each a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. God has given you each. Now, you might go, why? well, what do I have? Well, truth be told, you probably, you know, most of you may not even know yet what you have if, if you haven't been trying to walk this out, right? But we're going to discover that. Each of you has a spiritual gift from God's great variety. Use it well to minister to one another. Wow. See, that's talking about what the ministry is. See, when we were here this morning and somebody had a prophetic word, uh, we were praying. I believe sometimes there'll be people who've gotten scriptures throughout the week. Hey, God highlighted this scripture to me. I thought it was good for, this, for, the, for the body. To, I, so I, I, I notated it to bring it, to, to share it in church. And you see, that kind of thing, that's supposed to be happening all the time. And in a much greater scale than, than probably what we've experienced. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this. To each one, here we, here we are again, he makes a point. To each one. See, he doesn't just say the manifestation of the Spirit is given to people. He makes a point again of saying to each one. To each one is given. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, The manifestation is given of the Spirit. It's the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the common good. So, what's manifestation? That means, poof, you see it. Oh, look, there it is. Right? So, the Spirit shows Himself through each one. Through each one. Through each one. Right? The Holy Spirit shows Himself. Wow. That is amazing. So, again, that means the Spirit of God is going to be 
demonstrating himself. Now look at this verse right here. I want you to think about this one with me. Um, here it's talking about, it, it goes on, it says, to each one the manifestation happens, right? Now then it gives some examples of the kinds of things that are going to happen, okay? And it says this in the next verse, to one is given the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge through the Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings. Now, it's saying gifts of healings. For example, that means one person is going to, or not just one, but for example, you may have a grace to pray for people and they get healed. It doesn't mean you're super spiritual. It means that's your gift to minister to the rest of the body. Have you been, maybe you, maybe you don't even realize you have that. Do you have a desire for it? You should step out and just start practicing it, so to speak, right? I've heard of people who are using this gift and they said, the first time I started stepping out, it seemed like so many of the people that I got, that I prayed for got sicker, you know, nothing changed. But then I began to see results because I just, I pressed through that fear and doubt and just said, God, I'm doing it to trust you, right? So you don't have to feel you're a super Christian. God says here, these kind of gifts are just distributed in the body, right? Okay, it's got some more here. Working of miracles, discerning of spirits, tongues, different kinds of tongues, and interpreting tongues. It doesn't say translating tongues. It says interpreting tongue, tongues. That means when a tongue is given to the congregation. I know, I haven't seen this happen in years. Where is this? That someone says, hmm, I feel like God's given me a tongue or for, an inter for interpretation. And by the way, people are so stick, you know, sticklers on this. If you've never done this before, how are you going to know if you don't ever experiment, right? It's okay to mess up in church. It's not like, a, oh, mess it. No, no, we're learning, right? So somebody experiments. I feel like I'm supposed to do this. We'll try. You know what I mean? And then, of course, as things begin to flow, you begin to learn some principles about how to do certain things. But somebody shares a tongue, and maybe nobody's ever interpreted before. And so maybe there's somebody going, hmm, I think that person was saying this. Well, if you just sit there and you go, but I don't know if I'm saying, you, you have to step up and you have to go, you know what? I feel like he was, what God's saying through that is this. Da -da -da -da. It's not like, oh, I know exactly what he said because I speak that language. No, it's not a translation. It's an interpreting, which is a very strange thing. Is that not a strange gift? Somebody gets up and shares a tongue and somebody else goes, this is what he said. <laughs> Why not just the person go, this is, you know, why not just have a prophecy? Are y'all with me? Now, I want to just share this. Tongues is one of those things people don't understand. And you see, when God, when you think you've got to figure everything out, you're so prideful, you're going to hinder yourself from going on with God. Because God's going to do things in certain ways that you can't understand and you can't wrap your mind around it. So maybe you've got a better way than tongues, but God is the one who came up with them. God came up with tongues and interpretation. You see what I'm saying? I want to mention a couple of these other gifts too. And by the way, this is so ironic, but this morning my Bible just opened up and there's a section that happens to define these gifts. And isn't that crazy? 
it, it opened up to that this morning, and I thought, wow, I'm going to read a couple of these. Okay, for each the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, verse 8. Think about this. What's the word of wisdom? Does that mean natural wisdom? Somebody who's, who's very wise personally might, might be that person, but it's not. he doesn't say he gives wisdom. That's not what it says here. It says he gives a word of wisdom. A word. What is a word of wisdom? Okay, well, according to the definition here that is in the back of my Bible, it's a supernatural perspective to ascertain divine means for accomplishing God's will. That's absolutely true. It's divine power to appropriate appropriate spiritual intuition and problem solving. Are y'all with me? It's a sense of divine direction. It's being led by the Holy Spirit to act appropriately. So the word of wisdom is a word. It's not wisdom in, in expansively. It's a word of wisdom. It's knowing what to do. It's knowing the right direction. And it doesn't come just from here. God inspired it. You remember one time David goes, God, should I fight these people and should I go this way? God goes, no, um, yes, fight them. Don't go that way. Go around that way. That's the word of wisdom. You know what? David would not have known that in his own mind. He did not figure out the best way to fight. God gave him wisdom because God knew things he did not know. God knows things we don't know. And sometimes the wisdom of God isn't just something you can figure out. You just know the right way you're supposed to do something. God confirms it. He gives you understanding in it. It's a word of wisdom from the Holy Spirit, not from your natural mind. Are you all with me? It's supernatural. The word of knowledge. See, some people think it's the gift of knowledge. No, it's not the gift of knowledge. It's the gift of the word of knowledge, a piece of knowledge, a thought of knowledge, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I've shared this with y'all. One of the first gifts that I could remember in my life, after I'd been saved a few months, I'm sitting in class in the summer school, and this girl sits there, and she's young, looks like, I mean, I think she was 18 to 19, and just like that, this word comes to me, um, and I was unfamiliar with words of knowledge, that the girl has been divorced, that she's has, she, because of her bad experience, that she has a wounded soul, and she is bitter against men. And I'm thinking, I look at her and I'm going, she's so young, there's no way she's been through all of that, and divorced already. I mean, no, that could not have happened. Well, a few weeks later, poop, it all came out in class, you know, and she's telling me, and I'm going, wow. God told me that weeks ago or whenever he told me. And I was amazed. But what is that? That's the word of knowledge. Now, I didn't do with it probably what I should have. I, I should have used it to minister because that's why we get things right. But I didn't even understand that at that time. Um, a lot of other people, you know, Jesus. What does Jesus say uh, to one fellow? Uh, I forgot what the guy's name was. Um, what's the guy who goes uh, to whom is, is there's no guile in you? It says Nathaniel. Is that right? Nathaniel. 
Nathaniel goes, um, he goes, uh, there's no guile in you. He, he saw that in him when he saw it. I, I believe either it was a vision or God spoke that to him. People say, oh, Jesus knew everything. Well, the Bible says he didn't. He said, I only know what my father tells me. In fact, they asked him some questions sometimes, and he go, oh, God hasn't revealed that to me. Didn't he say that? Jesus didn't know everything. He said, whatever I get, I get from God. And he says, and this is the example of what it's going to be like for you guys when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to flow with God. The ministry of God's going to come out of you, and it's going to be amazing. Amen? Amen. So anyway, those are some of the examples of gifts, but I want to highlight this. These gifts are not natural. They're not just us coming together, doing the natural thing we can do. Church is meant to be a spiritual service where, yes, there are the natural things happening. Yes, we're being blessed in the natural things, but we're learning how to flow in the supernatural things. And God wants to increase the supernatural things in the church again. You know what we do? We back up. Oh, that's going to offend people. Oh, that makes people feel uncomfortable. Oh, maybe we shouldn't do that. Da, 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 da. Well, it's got to be done somewhere or you're Xing out the very plan of God for His New Testament church. You're taking away the very essence of what's supposed to be the, the, the seedbed of growth and of power. It's that Holy Spirit working. Imagine coming together in church where the Holy Spirit's functioning. Everybody's flowing in their gift. Man, people will not want to stop ever coming to church. You'll want to be inviting more people that are hungry for God because they're watching God move. And yes, sometimes some things might be scary. I remember it being scary when I got to church because when I joined church on campus, they sort of did this kind of stuff. And man, and that was scary, but there was another part of me that goes, man, I want that. You know what I'm saying? I saw people prophesy and I'm like, hey, I thought that wasn't supposed to be right. You know, you weren't supposed to be doing that kind of stuff. But guess what? I decided I'm going to jump in on that. I'm going to experience it. And there's something deep on the inside of me that says, I want it, right? And I hope there's something inside of every one of you today going, I want it. I want that more. I want that experience. Because God's got something great for every single one of us. And again, the excitement about God starts to flow when you begin to let God do what God wants to do in you. You know, Jesus, one time, they're like, hey, we went to go get something to eat. Here, Jesus, uh, we bought you a burger back. And he's like, hey, I, I've already had some food to eat. And he says, are you serious? There are no restaurants around here. Where'd you get food to eat? And he says, my food is to do the will of my father. You know what he's saying? Man, oh man, it's so good. He had just ministered to this woman. Man, her life just changed. She'd had five husbands. She was in another relationship. Her life was messed up. She didn't know her left from her right. And he's pretty much going, worship is what you need. Man, her life gets turned around, and Jesus is like, oh, that feels so good. It's like, you see, Jesus is being ministered to as he's ministering to this woman. And when he ministers to the woman, the disciples, they come back, and he's like, man, this feels so good. Oh, this is so, I've already had food you guys don't even know about. I've been doing the will of God. Oh, man, it is so fulfilling. You guys have no idea. And then he's like, hey, 
Look up. There's so much ministry to be done. The fields are white. They are so ready for you. Man, and I would just encourage you, once you start beginning to be used of God, you're going to find so much joy and life in it. And the more you do, the more you're going to connect with what God wants you to do. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. All righty. Okay, so you might go, okay, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how I'm going to learn to do that. I want to just give you a little bit of an example here for you to look at and see what happened in Scripture. How did Jesus train his disciples? I'm sure he talked to them, of course, with just them. But he trained them hands on. I love the thing. I love the stories where he's teaching them and they're learning. They go out and they go heal the sick and they're like surprised. Oh, we're just common people. People got healed when we prayed for them. It's amazing. Jesus is like, see, that's the, that's what, the way it's supposed to happen. Jesus, demons came out. By the way, you ever think about that ministry? Think about that. Jesus says, go and to the cities and heal the sick and cast out demons. What would you do if you were called, you, you sales guys, right? What would you do if you're on Jesus' team and Jesus says, okay, I want you to go to Missouri City and heal the sick people and cast out demons? What would you do? Hey, um, G- you heard of Jesus? Well, he's an, um, he, he's an, uh, I mean, I can't explain it, but we've been sent by this man of God um, to pray. Are there any sick people here? We're, we're here. Are there any people with demons here? Demons. And then, of course, in America, we're going, we don't, what are demons? But they didn't have any question about what they were back then. Today, we're very sophisticated and we give them other names. Um, but just imagine knocking on that door. Um, I'm here to pray for anybody's demons to come out and to heal any sick people. Can, can I pray for anybody here? No, we don't have any sick people. Da, da, da. Okay, well, great. Well, there's a Messiah. I'll tell you about him too. And go to the next door. Hey, any sick people here? Just here to pray for the sick people. We've been told to pray and heal the sick. So if somebody's sick here, I'll pray for them. They'll get healed. What? I mean, you see what I'm saying? You ever thought about how crazy that would have been and how these disciples must have felt when they said, he said, go and just and go pray for the sick and pray for people with demons, uh, for their demons to come out. And it happened. I mean, I could just think that was the craziest thing. You know, no, but so-and-so sick, you know, about five houses down. Oh, okay. You know, they go five houses down. Hey, we hear there's somebody sick here. We're so happy because now we get to pray and we'll see him get healed. Anyway, just think about, think about that, how that worked. So anyway, one of, the, one of the things that happens with these guys, one time there's 5,000 men plus women and children. Now, if there's 5,000 men, if it's like church, that means there's about 50,000 people there. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. There's 5,000 men, they, they think maybe there were 20,000 people there, including children and women. And it says, it says Jesus looks at his disciples and he goes, hey, um, give them, uh, no, he says, how are we going to feed these people? Now, I want you to think about that. What would you say if you're with Jesus? There's 20,000 people there. You don't have money and there's no restaurant nearby. And Jesus goes, how are we going to feed them? What would you say? See, why did Jesus even ask it that way? Jesus could have said, OK, guys, we don't have money. Guys, we don't have food. Really think. I want to feed them. So now what are we going to do? He didn't lead like that. 
He's acting like he doesn't know better. And Jesus goes, hey, guys, how are we going to feed all these people? Where are we going to get food for them? And why do they respond? Jesus. There's, I mean, there's not enough. There's no food anywhere near here. And even if there were, we don't have any money. Wow. Can you believe they responded like that? Think about that. You see, that's the way we think in the church today. It's all natural. Are y'all with me? We do every night. If we had the money, we'll spend it. And if we had the food, we'd give it. Most of us. But but when it goes to supernatural, we just cut off. Oh, oh, well, we've gone as far as we can go. And then and then Jesus says this in that same situation. He goes, you feed them. He said he said to his disciples, you feed them. I want you to think, what if you are one of Jesus's 12? You're sitting there. There's 20,000 hungry people. And he looks at you and he goes, you feed them. Would you get mad and go, he's so irrational. He is so spiritual that he is of no natural good. He is way in the zone, not paying attention to what's going on. Oh, how he frustrates me sometimes, right? Jesus says, you give him something to eat. See, to me, I'm going, wow. You see, that's an invitation for them to have done the miracle. Do y'all see that? See, and people go, oh, God can't teach you the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, yes, he can. You have to learn. And that's what he was teaching them, how to do miracles. He's like, you give them something. But what they do, they zonked out. You know, you know, no, no. So, so Jesus is like, well, tell them that Jesus does it, right? And then later, guess what happens? They're on a boat. After the, They fed 4,000 later, 4,000 men plus others. Let's say there were 15,000 there. And then they're on a boat after that journey. And Jesus goes, beware of the Pharisees. Excuse me, he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples, they start talking and going, oh, we forgot to bring bread. We forgot to bring bread. That's why he said that. Now, I want you all to think about this. The disciples got on the boat, 12 of them. They're supposed to bring bread. Not one of them brought bread, right? And Jesus goes, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And then it comes to their mind. Hey, we forgot to bring bread. Now, let me just let me highlight this. How many of y'all think those men were administrative geniuses to build the church? Do you think that? No, I don't think so. Not a single one of them even remembered to bring bread. They're going, uh, we forgot to bring bread. Did you bring bread? No, I didn't bring. No, nobody. Oh, we didn't bring the bread. These guys were not the most administrative people in the crowd by any means. And what does Jesus do whenever that happens? What would we do if you're Jesus and that happened? What are you going to do? You're going to sit the guys down and go, hey, guys, you have to be more organized. Seriously. You're supposed to bring bread and not one of you brought bread. There's 12 of you and not one of you remembered to bring bread. I cannot believe that. Okay, next time you do this, you do that. Okay, Jesus could have done that. Are y'all with me? He could have done that and they might have benefited from it. But what does he, what irritates him the most about what they did? It's that they did not have faith. So you forgot the bread? No big deal. Jesus is bigger than that. He's gone. Do you not remember? I just fed 15,000. 
What bothers me is you are still not in a miracle, supernatural mindset. You are still stuck on a limited capacity. That bothers me a whole lot more than your administrative mess up. Isn't that amazing? And I believe that's true today. God doesn't want to just build His church with administration. He wants to use faith. He wants to use the miracles. He wants to use power, you see, and He does teach us how to use these things. We have to learn. We have to experiment. We have to get going and use what we've been given. It's just not going to, boom, just happen like that necessarily. You remember when Jesus cursed a fig tree? He comes back and it's all dried up. Then he starts teaching his disciples again how to see miracles. Okay, guys, if you ask and believe, it happens. And if you would speak to your mountain and do it, da, 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 this is, he's talking about having a supernatural experience. He's talking about what we would look at as a miracle. And he's teaching them. They are learning. They are being equipped in how to flow in the supernatural, beyond the natural, and beyond what they could figure out in and of themselves. Do you guys want to experience the supernatural? Do you guys want to go beyond where you are and where you've been? Do you want to understand how to flow in prophetic anointings and words of knowledge and words of wisdom and how to heal the sick? You know, and how to activate your gift and even discover what it is. You see, I just feel like that's the most amazing thing if we would learn how to do that. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. When you come together, have a preaching and a few songs and go home. He says, when you come together, one has a psalm, one has a teaching, one has a revelation that the Holy Spirit has given them. One has a tongue. Somebody else has an interpretation. All things are being done so that everybody gets built up. That's what church is supposed to look like. That's what he says there, right there in 1 Corinthians 14. Praise God. The Welsh revival was one of the greatest revivals in modern history. Man, the whole nation got changed because of that. And they said it was more like a concert of the Holy Spirit than it was because of preaching. They said you'd go to church meetings. They lasted for hours and hours. And somebody would come up with a song. And then, or somebody would have a prophetic word, and maybe then there would be a time of prayer. And somehow in that environment, and somebody might share for five minutes or ten minutes, but in that environment, hundreds and hundreds and then thousands and thousands began to be saved. They just said it was just an orchestra, like a symphony of the Holy Spirit. It was amazing what went on. And I just believe that's what God wants to do today. Well, that's what we're going to be doing here. We're going to be flowing more and experiencing more and worshiping. I sense God so much here this morning, and it's an amazing thing. I just love this, and I think everybody here enjoyed it this morning too. You know, Paul says this. He said, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire these gifts we've been talking about. Why do you think God is telling us to earnestly desire them? Right? You're not going to experience them if you don't desire them. They're not just going to show up and you're going to be a spectator. No, it requires everybody to desire them. Everybody to want this. You got to want it to happen. I can't just get up here and I'm not going to be hey, the gifted man. You know what I'm saying? I'll just do my part. And everybody has to begin to go forward. As you go forward, God will teach you. You'll make mistakes. That's okay. That's all right. And as long as we're all just good spirited, that's all that's important, right? right now so 
It says, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you prophesy. And then it says here, um, you know, it talks about prophecy a lot. No, no, he says things like, um, you know, all can prophesy. And he says, all can prophesy one by one. 1 Corinthians 14, 31. Wow, all can prophesy? I thought that was just Old Testament stuff. No, all of us can have the capacity for the, for the Holy Spirit to bubble out of us and give words of inspiration, words um, to other people. Um, and it says, it says, and when everyone's prophesying and someone comes in, the Spirit of God is there, and they say, surely God is in this place. I'm not sure what he had in his mind about how that happened. It made me wonder if when everybody's prophesying, we're speaking, we're bubbling up. We're, I'm wondering, did God come on that person because something bubbled up that he personally needed to hear? Are y'all with me? I remember going to a church when I was getting saved that weekend. And man, there was prophecy going on and, and somebody prophesied over me. I didn't even hardly believe in that stuff before that day. But man, my, that day that I've told y'all before, my whole body was shaking in church. I had no idea why that I knew something was going on. And it was in the context of me having a specific word come to me prophetically that changed my life. What if that church had not believed in that gift? You, are you, do you see what I'm saying? What if they weren't operating in that? What if they were just coming and singing and going home? I'm telling you, I'd have gone home the same. I'd have gone home the same. What if the church before hadn't believed in miracles? You know, I saw somebody, I saw miracles the night before. And I'm going, whoa, God's alive. I got a miracle in, in my body. And I saw a miracle in somebody else's body right in front of my eyes. And I'm going, man, I've never seen this before. I'm telling you, God was changing my life by me seeing God in action that he's real. God wants to show himself again. And that's what I believe God's going to be doing in this hour. So, okay, so this week I want to encourage you. You know it's God's will. I hope you know by now and that you'll agree. If you're not in agreement, you need to get back into your word and study what we went over. But this week, I want you to recognize it's God's will for you to be trained. And it's God's will for you to be mobilized and that you have a gift, right? So throughout this week, I want to push you, particularly those of you that are here and those that are on our Zoom service. I'm hoping we can incorporate this with Zoom for a while in the mornings. But I want you to go this week and as you're in the Lord and you're studying, I want you to say, God, give me some insight into your word for the church that I can share with others. Or give me an insight. It, it can be from other people. But right now, just start with something that you can feel like you might be able to share generally. If God gives you a word for somebody, great. But just start believing God. Lord, I always go so you'll feed me. Now I'm asking you, Lord, feed me so that I can also give to someone else, okay? So ask God to inspire you with words, not just for you, but words that you can share. Highlight any passage that you get. Do it prayerfully. Highlight something. Pray over it and bring it to church on Sunday. Amen. If God gives you an inspiration as you're praying during the week, write it down. Bring it to church on Sunday and say, you might go, you know what? I just seems like this is going to be right. Da, 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 da. Uh, I, I'm just going to experiment. It's OK. All right. We're family. OK. Is that good, everybody? Yeah. Yes. We're going to have a great time next week, too. Praise God for that. Amen. Well, Father, we want to thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. 
We thank you for your power. Thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that the grace of God would go with us. Lord, what an exciting day we're living in when you're turning things and things are reconnecting back with God and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray now flow through us, God. Flow through our times um, with you. Flow through our times together in church when we meet together. And Lord, we ask you, God, restore your church. Restore the power back to your church. Restore your glory back. Restore the presence of Jesus back. Lord, let the glory of God fill the house again. Let the presence of God fill the house. Let worship just like explode at the seams, so to speak. Lord, let this, let your church be what you've designed it to be. And we pray for our church, God, particularly, Lord, because it's our responsibility. Lord, we give you our church. We give you, we say, Father, lead us into your will. Lead us into these next things that you're doing and show us how to get there. And Father, we pray now, Lord, let all of this begin to bubble up. Let it be according to the design of God, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we pray you have your way and you minister. We thank you, Lord. You've brought us this far. You're going to bring us further. Lord, we're willing, Lord, just to let go of the the, the, um, trapeze we've been connected to and trust you as we're going forward. We know you'll catch us and it's going to be amazing. In Jesus' name, amen.